Jewish audio on Kabbalah.org. We're about to begin the second portion in the Parsha of Kiseite Sheni, chapter 21, verse 22. Kiseite is a collection of portions dealing with different mitzvahs. The mitzvah we're about to learn is that when someone is judged by the court, by the Sanhedrin, something which is very rare, and the capital punishment is applied, and he's put to death, and there are various forms of death penalty, four to be exact, discussed in great detail in the tractate of Sanhedrin. The stoning death penalty is always followed by hanging that person on a gallows of sorts, on a tree, for a short period of time, but never overnight, and then immediately removed. And that is the gist of the beginning of today's portion. Again, chapter 21, verse 22. What if a man will have chet asin, mishpat mobes, worthy of death, v'humas, and the court tried him meticulously. It says that a court, a Sanhedrin, who put someone to death more often than once in 70 years was considered a murderous court. So it didn't happen every day that the courts found people guilty and applied the death penalty. Nevertheless, it does happen. So then the halacha is, v'salisa eisei al eitz, you shall hang him on a tree or a gallows of sorts. Rashi v'chiyya v'ish, chait mishpat moves, smichas haparshias magid, the fact that this portion follows the previous portion of a ben sorer umore, of a stubborn and rebellious son, which we learned at the end of yesterday's portion, Magidis teaches us, Shimchosim Olav that if the parents of the stubborn and rebellious son have compassion and don't prosecute him, safe in the end, it will happen, that he's going to become a very wicked person. He's going to become a trombonic, as we say. He's going to begin to commit transgressions. And at the end, he's going to be found guilty and the death penalty will be applied sooner or later. But in the interim, he will have taken so many more lives or harmed so many more people. Incidentally, the whole Ben Sora thing is, was rarely, if ever, actually applied due to the difficulties in bringing about all of the technicalities of the law. The Salisa Eisayal but it sure scared a lot of kids. Visalisa eats I remember when I was a kid learning this, I said, Oh, I'm behaving. Rabbi Seinu Amru, our rabbis taught that anyone who is stoned by the courts is afterwards hanged. As it says, for he who curses God hangs and cursing God as the stoning. Punishment. So from here, the Gemara Sanhedrin 
deduces that anyone who is ever stoned as part of the death penalty application of stoning is always hanged after they die for a short while. And here he specifies in 23, You may never allow the body to remain overnight on the gallows, on the tree. Because you must bury him on that day. Because it is a negative message about Hashem when one of his creatures are hanging. That's the gist of the message here, as Rashi will explain. And do not defile your land. Which God, your God, gives you as an inheritance. This is an insult to the king, to Hashem. Why hanging a bad guy would insult Hashem? Because man is made in the image of his creator. The Israel Hembona, furthermore, the Jewish people are not only created in his image, but they are also his children. So here Rashi brings down that this can be compared to two brothers who are twins. And here some of the commentaries in Rashi discuss this and explain that the message here is that some of God's children are righteous and some of God's children perhaps sometimes are not so righteous. So when you have somebody hanging, no one will know whether that person is righteous or wicked because he just he looks exactly like his righteous twin. So that it doesn't refer to Hashem as being the twin, but it refers to a tzaddik and a rosha. This can be compared to two brothers who are twins. The righteous one becomes a king. The other one becomes a criminal, becomes an outlaw, and he's hanged. Anyone who will see him, Abraham, will say, Look at this. The king is hanging because they are identical twins. Therefore, by removing the outlaw before night set, you do an honor to the twin who became a king. The word klola also means treating lightly or slighting. Like King David said about Ben Gera. So therefore, we may, this person who is a wicked person, obviously is wicked, because the capital punishment was applied. He was killed by the courts. Even he may not remain on the tree or the gallows overnight. The uh, Balaturim points here, points out here, that Alho Eitz, what is the significance of Alho Eitz, which means on the tree? And then it says, that also the branch of the tree upon which he was hanging is buried with him. And this is an allusion to the fact that when we bury people, we do it in a coffin of wood. And that's the idea of Alho Eitz, There's a beautiful interpretation 
on verse 22, which I believe was stated by one of the disciples of the Arizal. When the Arizal passed away, maybe it was one of the Arizal's disciples who passed away, but something of that nature where a very great tzaddik passed away. He was, relatively speaking, a young man. We know the Arizal was 36, 37 when he passed away. So the interpretation here is in verse 22. If you follow along with me. If there will be within a human being. Chet. The word chet means a sin, but the word chet is also milashon chisaron. Something lacking. Vaniyu shloima b'ni chatoyim means missing. So the word chet is missing, lacking. If a person will lack something, what will he be lacking? Mishpat Mobis will see that a good person, a tzaddik, was judged by Hashem to die. Behumas and he dies. We have no idea why a tzaddik would die. Certainly not because he sinned. Not, not every person who dies young is a sinner. On the contrary, there are many tzaddikim who died young. Case in point is the Arizal, who lived 36, 37 years. So if a person will lack the completeness of his life, and he dies prematurely, how do you explain that? You're going to say, no, he had to sin, he had to have sinned, we just don't know about it? Absolutely not. So he says, Visalisa Isai Al Aits, you should hang the reason that he died on the eight Hadas, because there was the sin of Adam and Eve. And life went into a very imperfect cyclical cycle. And righteous people suffer. And wicked people prosper. And we don't understand anything. And therefore it's very conceivable that a young person can die. Why would he die? Because Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. And until Mashiach comes, life will not be perfect. So that is the eulogy which was stated at the funeral or at the, the eulogy of this great tzaddik, who I believe was either the Arizal or one of his disciples. Chapter 22, verse 1. There's a halacha that says that if we see something that belongs to someone else, we have to return it. That makes... A decent society. Kids start learning Gemara. Usually, by and large, what's the first section of the Gemara they learn? Tractate Baba Metzia. In Baba Metzia itself, the second chapter, Elu Metzias Shalom, Ve'elu Chayiv Lahachris. This is when somebody finds something, this is what he can keep. And this has to be announced, and we have to search and find who lost the object. So that returning, hashavas aveda, returning a lost item is a great mitzvah, and it's a great obligation. The problem is that we can spend our entire life returning lost items and never get a chance to go to work. There's an adorable story told. Many years ago, there was a Boy Scout who kept coming late to his scout meeting. And he was warned once and twice and three times. And finally, one day he comes late. And the scout master says, that's it, you're late again, a half hour late. 
Why are you late? Do you have a good excuse? He says, of course I do. I was helping this old lady cross the street. He says, that is a good deed, but a half hour? Explain that. He says, yeah, she didn't want to cross. Verse 1. You cannot see the ox of your brother or his sheep being driven away. And you'll hide yourself and you'll say, I know nothing, I see nothing. I got things to do, places to go, people to see. Who wants to go take the other guy's ox and bring it back? It's crazy. I'm going to the airport. You must return it to your brother. You cover your eyes and you say, I don't see anything. It's an interesting thing that when a child covers his eyes, he thinks because he doesn't see you, you don't see him. We think if we cover our eyes and we make believe, we make believe we don't know, Hashem still sees us. You shall not see it and then make like you didn't see it. This is the simple meaning. But our rabbis have said that not always do you have to stop what you're doing and return. Somebody's lost item. Sometimes you can make like you didn't see it. And if my correct recollection serves me correctly, there are three examples brought down here. Among others, one example is if the object, for example, the ox, wanders into a cemetery and the guy who found it is a Kohen, a Kohen can't wander into a cemetery. So he's free. Another example is if we're talking about a very great person who uh, doesn't lead his own ox around. He's not going to go and lead an ox around, that's not what he does. He's the, the mayor of the city. He's the, the, the rabbi of the city, a great Talmud Chacham or whatever. And the other thing is, if what he's about to do, his time is worth more than the ox. For example, the guy's a brain surgeon. And his hour is worth uh, whatever brain surgeons charge. And the ox is worth uh, $75. So, it doesn't work out. So there are logical applications where one would be exempt from this mitzvah, although not being in the mood is not one of these exemptions. So this is part one of this mitzvah. The Balaturim brings down a rule. What's the litmus test? Whether one should be returning it or not. If it was your ox, if it was your ox, would you return it? Would you, would you save it? If, if you would do it for yourself, then you do it for the other guy. If you wouldn't do it for yourself, then you don't have to do it for the other guy. That's a good litmus test. Verse 2, that's the easy part. But, what if the guy is not close to you? You're in Beersheba and he's in Tel Aviv. You must gather that lost object into your house. And it shall be with you until your brother demands it. 
and then you'll return it to him. Verse 2, Obviously, until the guy asks for it. I mean, do you, do you expect them to return it before somebody asks for it? What is he, a prophet? Ella, the word teaches us something the Gemara talks about at great length, Darshehu, that the finder has to investigate properly. That to make sure that the guy is not a thief. Because there are plenty of thieves. You know, if somebody hangs up a sign on a bulletin board, who lost a thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills? Come, this is my phone number. Imagine how many phone calls you're gonna get. There's a lot of people out there who would like a thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. Therefore, you have to really understand to work out a system. What does the ox look like? Does he have something on his ear? Was he wearing a pink ribbon? And, and so on and so forth. It's not so simple. You don't give everybody back everything that they ask for. In fact, cash is the most difficult thing to have a simon, to have a clear uh, ID. You have to make sure that it's worth returning. Why? You have to understand that an ox eats a lot of food. You can't take an ox into your house and say, uh, here, watch TV until I come back. You have to feed it, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What if the ox is worth $100 and the ox is sitting there for three weeks and he eats $100 worth? And then the guy is going to come three months later and you'll say, here's your ox, but by the way, you owe me $1,000. From here we learned, that anything that works and eats, let him work. Take the ox and send him to work. That way, the work that he produces deals with the food that you're buying. But if something does not, does not work and eat, but it just sits around and looks pretty, then sell it. And better, when the guy shows up, you'll give him money. Otherwise, in no time at all, the food that it eats will consume its value. In other words, the Torah does not expect me to support somebody else's animal for forever. I have a right when the guy comes to say, this is what you owe me. So there are many, many details in the application of this law. The Balaturim brings down that the word va'asafto, you shall gather it, is used in another place, which talks about that you gather up the leper and remove from him his leprosy. That it's used in, this, in the situation of leprosy. This is a lesson to us that sometimes leprosy comes when a person does not want to lend his objects to his friend. Somebody comes to your house and says, listen, do me a favor, I need this and this, can you lend it to me? So he says, I would love to, but I don't have it. And that's habitual. He says, listen, if I say I don't have it, I, I never have to give it. Then ultimately he gets struck with leprosy of the house and everything has to come out of the house. And suddenly they see that he has every item that he refused. Adre meaning ad 
Sheyidrish Aishala. He has to ask for his sign. What's your proof that it's yours? And that has to do with Simonim discussed at great length in the Gemara. Verse three. This does not only apply to a dunk to a an ox and a sheep, as he says in verse one. It also applies to a donkey. It also applies to a garment, to a dress, to a suit. To any lost object of your brother, which shall be lost, and you will find it. You cannot hide yourself and say, I don't know, I didn't see it. By hiding your eye, as if you don't see it. There's, that's an expression in Yiddish. Er macht sich nicht wissendig. Makes believe he doesn't know. The next mitzvah. Leisida es chamer ochicha. Eishere neflim baderech. Don't see the donkey of your fellow. Or his ox, which was laden with merchandise. Falling down by the road. Vi salamta mehem and you'll hide yourself. Hakim, Tokim, Ime, you shall surely help him lift it up again. And this is a complex mitzvah. This has to do with helping your friend. It also has to do with tsar balachayim, with the pain that the animal is suffering as it is laying under its load. Rashi, Hakim, Tokim, Zutin, this means to assist him in loading it again. Hatin, Masishinov, Allah, to load up the burden again. Ime, Imbolov. The mitzvah is that if the owner is there and he's struggling, and you see him struggling, help him. What if the owner sees you and says, and you walk over and say, Whoa, what a mitzvah. I have an opportunity to help somebody load his animal. The guy says, Oh, thank God for mitzvahs. I'm going to have coffee. So if the owner leaves and leaves you there, and says, Being that it's your mitzvah, me, it's my job. But for you, it's your mitzvah. Obviously, he doesn't need to help the guy who doesn't care about his own burden. And here the debate is, does he have to help unload it if the animal is suffering? Verse 5. Here we have an interesting mitzvah. That men may not wear women's clothing or dress up like women or do or make up like women. Women may not wear men's clothing. This is called in Hollywood cross-dressing. And the reason people would do it is so that the men can hang out with the women, go into the women's locker room, and the women can go to the men. And uh, this is forbidden by Torah law, and it carries to the point where men may not dress in women's clothing at all, women may not dress in men's clothing, and it has many far-reaching applications. Rosh, uh, first five. The garments or anything that pertains to a man shall not be upon a woman. Nor shall a man put on the garments of a woman. Because all those who perform any of these acts are performing that which is abominable to Hashem. This is an abomination. Men should be men and women should be women. Five, that she becomes similar, she resembles a man. In order that she should be able to hang out amongst the men. 
this smacks of immorality, it's not going to lead to good things. This will give him a ticket to go with the women. Another meaning that no one should do to their body various applications which are unique to one sex or the other. He brings down that a man should not remove the uh, genital hair or the underarm hair, which is something that women did in that culture. And this is forbidden as brought down in the Gemara. So any form of, again, makeup or any form of uh, application is forbidden if it's unique to one sex. In fact, one of the halachas as to why some argue that a man must wear a beard is because a woman does not have a beard. So that's an extension of this halacha as well. Not everyone agrees with this. This is a very interesting opinion. The Torah in generally, in general, the Torah generally forbids this application when it leads to abominable acts. And uh, here the big question is, can you dress up on Purim? Uh, you know, as, as can a man dress up as a woman on Purim? And the general halacha is yes, because it's for the purpose of celebrating Purim. Verse 6, very famous mitzvah, the mother bird. Okay, verse 6. If you encounter a bird's nest before you, which means you're walking down the road and you see a bird's nest. On the road, in any tree, or on the ground. With young chicks, a baits him or eggs. And the mother bird is sitting on the young, or on the eggs. Do not take the mother with the baby birds or the eggs. Rashi. There are many details in this law. This excludes someone who raises birds. We're talking about someone who's walking down the road. Someone who raises birds, that's what he does. It's in his backyard. You may not take her while she is still sitting upon her young. But what should you do? Seven. Send away the mother bird. And then take the young. So the mother bird will not see you taking the young. Laman, in order that yitabloch, it will be well for you. Barachta yomim, and your days will be prolonged. Some say literally in Israel. Some say literally long life. And others say in the world to come. Laman yitabloch, seven, im mitzvah kalosh, im bachasarim kiz, this seems to be a, relatively speaking, easy mitzvah. You send the mother bird away and then take the eggs or the chicks. There isn't even a monetary loss. You can come back and get what you want. Amra says, Things will go well for you. You'll have long days. And how much more so? 
There are many difficult mitzvahs. There are many expensive mitzvahs. Every mitzvah in one form or another has its reward. Now, we, we learned in Gemara Brochus, I believe, that a person should not pray to God and say, you are the God who is compassionate upon the mother bird. Because there is much more to this mitzvah than compassion. Although it seems to us that the soul behind this mitzvah is compassion, but mitzvahs are not limited to what we think they're limited to, and therefore it is actually forbidden in our prayers to mention that we are praying to God who has compassion upon the mother bird because we're selling God short, so to speak. The Balaturim says, Yikore Khan has the numerical value of Pratlamizum, and this excludes someone who prepares and has the nest there intentionally. That's what he does. Efreichim Ebeitzim have the numerical value. Betzrichim Imam. this only applies when they still need their mother. Biharachta Yomim has the numerical value of the Olam Shekulei Oruch in a life which is all long, and that refers to the world to come which means that just because it says you will live long, it's possible that it applies to this world as well, but not necessarily. So that if we saw someone who performed this mitzvah and then he did not live long, it doesn't mean the Torah is wrong. It means he's going to have long life in the world to come. Okay, end of portion.